for the politics of Nashville, to the history of the Upper Cumberland. This is the Backroads and Backstories podcast with Senator Paul Bailey. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Senator Paul Bailey. In today's episode, we have invited the winner of season 17 of The Voice, Cookville resident Jay Coot, to talk about his experience on the show and to get to know him a little better. Welcome, Jake. Hey, thank you for having me. Glad that you're here, and we're just so excited that you're part of our podcast. And uh, our podcast is called Backroads and Backstories, and most of the time folks want to hear the backstory to exactly how you got to be on The Voice, telling us a little bit about yourself and your history, because folks always want to be able to relate to uh, someone that's a big superstar like you are today. <laughs> so um, we're going to jump right in, and, and Jake, just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're originally from, and I think your family uh, basically were missionaries, yes, and, sir. You, and you guys lived in the Dominican Republic, so I'm just going to step back for just a moment and let you tell <laughs> us a little bit about yourself. Yes, sir. No, um, yeah. So I, I'm one of nine kids. I'm the second oldest of nine. Nine kids. Nine kids. Oh, wow. Six boys, three girls. Um, and, you know, mom and dad, uh, I think it was shortly after I was born, mom and dad got really involved in church and dad felt called to be a pastor and then he felt called to be a missionary. And so we moved all over the place when we were kids. And then we ended up um, originally from Corpus Christi, Texas, so way down south. And then we ended up moving to Haiti when uh, I think it was back in 97 or something like that and lived there about a month or two. And my sister is a type one diabetic and so couldn't get her medical help. And so we moved over to the Dominican side right across the border for a short while. And dad just felt like that where that's where God was calling us. And so we ended up living there. Um, well, my parents lived there 14 years. I lived there about 11 years before I moved back to the U.S. And Came to Tennessee Tech to play football. And okay, so you came from the Dominican Republic to Tennessee Tech. Yes, sir. So did you play football in the Dominican Republic? I did not. Really? I did not. Okay. I'd always wanted to play. Of course, I mean, we played backyard football. You know, as right. boys, there was enough of us to play. And, you know, we'd get kids from down there to play. But I'd always wanted to play. And, um, you know, I was I was bound and determined to play somewhere, you know. And so I think my size helped, you know, being 6'6". Six, six, you walk in and say you want to play. Um, you know, Coach Brown and Coach Sam over there were very patient with me. And so you me were a, a walk-on. Yes, sir. Okay, so you were a walk-on at Tennessee Tech. Yes, sir. And I'm assuming they uh, were able to offer you a scholarship then to be able to play, or did you? Uh, I had to earn it. I yes, sir. Okay. Um, yes, sir. It you know it took me a little while, but I ended up earning a partial scholarship, and that was that was incredible. The fact that they let me play, much less you know were essentially paying me to play. Right. Um, but. I, not paying me to play, but giving me money right. enough for school and whatnot. Sure. But um, but no, it was it was an incredible experience. Um, I loved every second of it. Loved everybody from that organization. You know, you're just you're still a family. I, I saw Coach Brown a couple months back at the Welcome Home concert, and um, you know, I love that man and respect him. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, that's so. You basically came to Tennessee Tech, and your family still lives in Texas, or they're in uh, Dominican Republic. Well, they or? moved. They moved. They moved up here. Oh, so um, so yes, your sir. entire family's here now. Yes, sir. They or live right down the now. road in uh, Smith. County and oh, okay. in Carthage area. Um, yeah, we we had moved up here before we moved to Haiti and, and joined Cornerstone Baptist Church right out in, in Carthage, and um, that's that was this, our sending church the entire time. And then when they all moved back, they just they moved out there. So they live about forty five minutes away. So 
tell me just a little bit, were you inspired by living there uh, in the Dominican Republic uh, to lead praise and worship? Is that where your musical inspiration began? Um, and, 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 you know, in certain essence, yeah, uh, I, I think rather than being inspired, I think Dad kind of forced me to get oh, into it, um, okay. and I'm glad he did. Right. Um, you know, it kind of made me get out of my shell, and um, I like... You're not saying that you were shy. Oh, incredibly shy. And I mean, I, I still am to an extent. I, I, I play it off well, but um, but no, Dad kind of, you know, he said that he wanted me to leave, lead praise and worship, and, you know, I always joke and say I'm, I'm so sorry to all the people who had to listen to me sing way back when because I was it was rough but you know and of course growing up on a on a Caribbean island you know the the, the rhythm of the music is different the feel of it um, and so I definitely there's a lot of influences there when I write my own music it's kind of got like an island feel sometimes but it was a great way to grow up and like I said I'm, I'm grateful that dad got me out of my shell to get out there and that kind of you know snowballed it and mm-hmm. taught myself to play guitar so I could I could lead and then I ended up moving back and teaching a couple music schools. So, so you're self-taught on the yes, gu- on the guitar, and so did you have any uh, one help you along the way as far as whenever you began learning to play the guitar, or or did you just basically pick it up and 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 start uh, learning to play by ear, or did you learn to read music? How, how did how did that work? Um, when it comes to playing guitar, I, I play by ear. Um, oh, okay, and I think you know along the way. Um, there's so many different influences I have just from where I would play with somebody and I would see them do something and I'd be like, Hey, what are you doing there? You know, and they'd show me. Um, but you know, it's, 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 I've I've been very blessed to have a lot of patient people around me. And so uh, I play by ear. And then when I I taught Christian music schools for about five years and I, and I'd learned how to read music to sing to it, but not play, play guitar to it. Um, and so that was, that was a great time in my life. And I, you know, Obviously, there was a lot of influences from singing Southern gospel, you know, hymns and, and songs like that that just kind of influence your harmonies and everything else. So tell me a little bit about what you love about Cookville and the Upper Cumberland. Oh, man, I don't even know, you know, where to stop or end with that one. You know, moving back, you, you kind of feel like you're on an island. So you know? so let, let me just ask this question. Yes, Had you ever been to Cookville, Tennessee, prior to coming to Tennessee Tech? No, sir. So, so your first foray into Cookville, Tennessee, was to visit Tennessee Tech. Yes, sir. And so, when you came to Tennessee Tech, you you came as a freshman. Yes, sir. Okay. And at that point, you actually visited the football program and did the walk on. And so, uh, and that's the first time you'd ever been to Tennessee. Period. Yes, sir. And so, you came ultimately because of of Tennessee Tech and to be able to play football. Yes, sir. And so, from there, you have fallen in love with. Cookville and the Upper Cumberland. Absolutely. And so, uh, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things going on in your life today that uh, uh, prior to you coming uh, to Cookville, but so do you see yourself staying or, or always kind of having a home or residence in Cookville? Absolutely. Um, yeah. That, and that's what, you know, that's the one thing that's beautiful about it is you become family out here and the way that everybody kind of took me in, um, I can't imagine calling anywhere else home. Um, I know with music, you know, it's going to pull me in a lot of different directions and stuff. But like you said, you know, I would, I would always, 
you know, love to think that there's, you know, I'm always going to have a home here and I always have a place that I can come back here and, um, you know, escape everything. But, um, Cookville's just been incredible. And, you know, I, I can't thank everybody enough for all the love and support they've given me throughout the years, even before the, the whole voice thing and everything else, you know, back when I was playing football and just some college student, you know, people around here just took me in. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Well, one thing that, that I will say that, uh, social media, uh, your friends that you and I have uh, and share together, uh, your humbleness, your approachability. I think that that's one of the things that, that has really allowed you to garner so much support from the Upper Cumberland, and, and you have just such a, a good heart about you. And so people see that. Uh, people see the genuineness uh, and, and basically your caring. And so I think that that's uh, one of the reasons that, that Cookville has embraced you and, and, and also in the fact that uh, as we start talking a little bit about your your um, time that you spent on The Voice, uh, I think people in America saw that, and they saw that humbleness, they saw that genuineness. And, you know, one one thing that people look for, I think, in an artist, especially someone that's a musical artist, is they want to be able to relate to that person, sure. and that person has a story to tell in their music. And so anytime that you can sing that from your heart, I think that definitely... Um, resonates with with individuals so let's 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 segue into a little bit about the voice because yes, i think people always are interested in kind of knowing the backstory and they want to know kind of the behind the scenes you know of, of what took place so you know what made you want to even um enter the competition of the voice um to be and, honest and and, and i don't, didn't mean to necessarily interrupt you're all right but 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 tell me how do you go about being able to uh, – is it an application process? Uh, I mean, how do you get to be a contestant on The Voice? Tell us a little bit um, about I, I think there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, and to be honest with you, you know, people I've, – I've had people ask me, you know, what made you want to do it? And to be honest, I didn't want to do it at first. I had – you know, I was I was working in radio at the time. I was making good money, good living. Um, I was playing music on the weekends, was having a great time. And then they actually reached out to me. I was posting stuff on Instagram um, called Bath Tunes, and they reached out to me and asked if I'd come okay. out and audition. So, so you're saying The Voice, the producers of The Voice, actually reached out to you and said, hey, would you be interested in being yes, a contestant wow yes sir I, something i had not heard yes sir so, and i was i was very fortunate because i you know i didn't really like the idea of going and standing in line for hours and hours with thousands of people kind of kind of like the american idol which exactly that's the process there okay yes sir and i had done the american idol thing years and years ago and just I, it was such a horrible experience not not that it was their fault but i just didn't like it and so um, they reached out, and had they not reached out, I wouldn't have done it. And, and even with them reaching out, I was just like, I don't know. But then I thought, you know, what's there to lose? Let's just see what happens. Um, and so I actually went to Nashville and auditioned. And So they came to Nashville. Yes, sir. And I'm assuming that they had basically uh, sent out a um, uh, a call, a cast call, if you mm -hmm. will, yes, sir. Uh, for different uh, individuals to come and basically audition to be on the show. So how many people in Nashville actually showed up for? for oh, gosh. Uh, see, I'm not – so it's it's different rounds that you have to go through. Okay. It is cast and call, but it, it's different rounds. So the first round is your open call, which is 
um, where everybody you see thousands of people lined up. Mm-hmm. If you make it past that, then they invite you back the next day, and it's a much smaller group. I would say it's probably I would say it's a couple hundred people, maybe. Okay. All right. So let me just make sure that I understand. So whenever you're saying there's a thousand people there, basically for the first casting call. They have reached out to you, so obviously they're interested in you. Yes, sir. They want you to come and audition. And so you you come, and I, I'm assuming that they basically have music professionals that are there uh, that you audition to, because obviously you're not going to be auditioning to Blake Shelton or, or, mm. or, or uh, Kelly Clarkson at that time, so you're probably just auditioning in front of, of professionals. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, I mean, it's, um, you know, you, you've got so many like producers and stuff and casting producers that are there. And I think I sang to three of them. Now, at individual times or were they all together? All, all together. Okay. All so together. they're basically sitting there and they, they basically, okay. Yes, right. sir. Yes, sir. And so it, it, it worked out. But luckily I was able to bypass the first day, which is the open call. And I was able to go to this much smaller day and audition and then you, if you make it past that round, then you're invited out to L.A. to do the next round, which you're out there for a couple of days that time, and you sing in front of another panel of casting producers and whatnot. But I think overall, I think it was over 40,000 people auditioned for season 17. Um, 40,000. 40,000. 40,000. So they basically went all over the, the U.S. Yes, sir. Uh, looking for individuals. Yes, sir. And so out of 40,000, how many people ultimately – make it to uh, Los Angeles then? Um, so for the first round in Los Angeles, uh, when you're out there for the couple of days, I think it was, I would say maybe a thousand or something like that, but they bring them in at different times. And so I wasn't there with everybody, but to do the blind. So your first, you know, the first episode, anybody right, sees you, right. um, there was a little over a hundred people at that time. Okay. So they, they just continue to, to narrow it down and narrow it down and narrow it down. Um, and then when you're out there for the blind, you're out there for about a month at that point, getting ready and, and everything. Okay. So once you make it to the final round or the let's just say the blind audition round. Yes, sir. Then that's whenever you ultimately commit uh, a month of, of your time yes, sir. to be there getting prepared. And I'm assuming at that point they they start providing you with voice coaches yes, and, sir. And, and they start working with you to, to basically improve your ability to be able to sing. And then I'm assuming what happens then on the blind auditions that – those are probably pre-recorded, and then there's only so many contestants that they ultimately show on television. Yes, and whenever they air the episode, is that the way that works? Yes, sir. So um, they and they wouldn't let us know until the like the the day before it aired. So I remember, you know, when I had posted something on social media saying I auditioned. And I wanted to tell everybody, hey, watch every you know episode every week to see. But they didn't even tell us when we were going to be on until like the day before. So you, I mean, you narrow it way, way down. And I, th- you know, and out of so you start at forty thousand, only forty eight people, you know, make a team at some point because each coach has twelve. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge drop, and just to make it to the blinds is an incredible thing, and then to get a chair turn is also just you know incredibly special. So okay, so and and each. 
each judge is that uh, coach. coach. They, they, they go call, by co- I called them call them judges, and I got in trouble all the time. I guess. Okay. <laughs> okay. So and and there's uh, and there's four coaches, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. And so each one of those coaches ultimately end up with twelve. Twelve people. Twelve people. Well, so, twelve acts. I mean, there was a couple 12. duets and stuff like that. Right. Okay. So you're looking at roughly forty eight total yes, individuals. So they go from they basically it's fifty percent down there. So uh, this is a question that I've always been. Uh, wanting to ask and know the answer to, but like you had to spend a month there in LA preparing and you weren't assured at that point in time that you would ever make it onto an episode of the voice. My question is, is that at your expense or do they give you a stipend for it? How does that work? Yeah. I mean, well, they, they pay for your airfare out there. They pay for you to stay out there. Like, you know, we all stayed in a hotel. Um, and then I, I'm pretty sure for the blinds, they did pay us like a, a daily stipend or something like that. It's not, it's not a ton, but it's right. enough. Um, and luckily for me, my job back here, I work at, you know, Zimmer Broadcasting. They were very, you know, accommodating and they helped me and I was still working. I was, I tell people I actually woke up the day of the blinds. I had to be up and out of the hotel by three o'clock in the morning. Cause it's oh, a, wow. a full day of production. Um, and I was sending emails for commercials back here at like two thirty that morning to get it done. So, you know, luckily I was able to, you know, do it fairly comfortably without being having to stretch my dollars too much. But, um, but yeah, they, they definitely, the, I will say one thing about the show, they definitely took care of us and they made sure we were taken care of and we had everything we need. So I was very grateful for that. Now at what? time of this process that you've been describing to us did you actually start to get uh to work with the coaches did that had they seen you or any of the other contestants prior to hearing you on stage for the blind audition no they we had not we had not met them okay um so again it's it, so they they are not aware of you they've correct. not seen you they've not heard you uh, and so when you actually step out on stage and you make it to that blind audition and you're wanting one of them to turn around, they don't have any idea as to who you are uh, mm-hmm. and they've not interacted with you at all then. No, sir. Not, I mean, not to my knowledge. I mean, it, it, it's a truly a blind audition. And then, of course, you know, after you uh, make it through the blind, you make it on a team, you almost immediately fly back home. Like, I mean, it's it's like I literally walked off stage, got in a van went and did an interview and then went to a hotel, stayed the night like about an hour away and then flew home the very next day. And that was because they wanted you to do that? They do. I mean, and they're like, it's, it's just a process, you know, and everything that goes on. Okay. So, so take me back just a little bit to like, what month did you spend or, you know, what time of the year did Mm -hmm. you spend in LA uh, and then when was the first time that the show, the blind auditions actually aired? What's that time span from? For sure. Yeah. I think, okay, so I think I was out there uh, for the month. I, I think it was June. Um, and I think the first episode started airing maybe in September, I think. Okay. All right. Um, but you have other things that you do before that. So you fly home. I think we flew home for like a month. And then we go back out for battles and then knockouts. And if you don't make it through battles, obviously you get sent home. But if you do make it through, then you just stay out there for knockouts. And I think that was another month, month and a half process to do all that as well. Oh, wow. So you're doing the blind audition. You're on stage. And now what song was it you were singing that night? Uh, When It Rains, It Pours by Luke Combs. Okay. So you're singing and uh, Kelly Clarkson turns her chair around. And if I'm and correct me if I'm wrong, was she the only judge at that time that turned their chair around yes, immediately? 
So, uh, and, and then obviously now that you've won the voice, I'm sure the other three coaches are like, dang, man, why didn't I choose? <laughs> Especially Blake Shelton. I mean, cause you're kind of in his wheelhouse there. I mean, you're, you're kind of doing the songs, uh, type songs that, uh, Blake Shelton does. You got that country, uh, uh, genre going for you. Absolutely. And, and of course I know you do others, um, uh, as well, but you know, was it kind of immediately whenever uh, Kelly Kelly turned her chair around? I mean, at, at what at what point? And is it distracting to you when she turns that chair around? Um. So it, it she waited till I mean probably three quarters of the song before she actually turned. Um. But and what's going through your mind at that time? Well, a lot of different things. First off, I told everybody just to be on that stage. I've done more than I thought I could. Mm-hmm. But in the back of your mind when you're up there singing, you're thinking, my goodness, please, somebody just turn. You know, that'd be awesome. But um, when she turned, like, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit, but I was just so, like, caught up in the moment mm-hmm. um, that I just I just, I kind of blacked out and don't really remember finishing the song. But after watching it, I, I sang it, so that's good. But, um, you know, it's definitely a very surreal moment because you're so nervous up there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just dead quiet when you start singing. Um, but yeah, to have her turn. And, and like you said about Blake, Kelly told me almost every week, you know, that Blake was kicking himself mm-hmm. about not turning. And I love Blake Shelton, but I don't think it could have worked out any better mm-hmm. because, you know, Kelly does have some country ties, but to be on a team that wasn't known for country mm-hmm. and, you know, just to, to go through it all was, was pretty special. Wow. So do you currently have like a ongoing communication relationship with Kelly Clarkson has, do do you, do the two of you still communicate? Is that kind of, uh, waned off now just a little bit? Tell me just a little bit. And, and how did that process work? So, you know, she turns her chair around, she's the only one. So you're now, you're now guaranteed to be on Kelly Clarkson's team. Absolutely. So you're going to be one of her 12. Yes, sir. You're going to be one of her 12. So you know that you've made it at this point. So obviously that was an overwhelming feeling. Yes, sir. And then from there, uh, you said you basically immediately flew home. They they send you home yes, sir. for, for a, a month. A month, yes, sir. And then you um, – obviously they – they have you to come back and you have to start doing the battle rounds. Uh, so for one month, you're basically just kind of trying to get some normalcy back to your life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, you're going to have this uh, show coming back up. You've made it. You're going to be on national television. So uh, at what point in time does Kelly Clarkson like start working with you? Is it and communicating with you? Is it once you go back out there after that? I mean, it is, does she call you up like during this month off and says, you know, hey, Hoot, I'm glad that you're part of my team. We're we're excited. We're going to start working with you. I mean, just just give me a little bit of that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think the further you get in, the more the more contact and the more you know relationship building you get with the coaches. So up until up until the live rounds, everything like whether you pat whether you make it to the next round or not is all based on the coaches. So I think they try to limit. Their, their, their contact with you. They try to limit their, you know, conversations and stuff with you because they don't want to show favoritism and they don't want to, they don't okay. want to do anything with, because of their other team members. And their, and exactly. Okay. So, okay. I mean, up until, you know, up until knock or up until the live rounds, you know, so for 
battles and knockouts, you know, it's all based on who your coach wants to pass through. And so I feel like if they're, you know, taking time to talk to you a lot, it could show favoritism and, and, oh, okay. and issues. And right. so, well, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, so. exactly. And so once the live start, then it's all based on America's voting. And that's when I really saw Kelly kind of like, start talking to me a whole lot more and, and taking that personal, you know, attention and stuff. Um, and her husband too, Brandon Blackstock and, you know, with Starstruck mm -hmm, and I, right. I currently work with them. Oh, wow. But, you know, they, they've both been incredible and I, I could probably text her a whole lot more and reach out to her a whole lot more than I do. But mm -hmm. I also know how busy she is. Right. I'm just like, oh, yeah, cause she's thing. got a, she's got a, a syndicated television show now. And she's still doing the voice, voice. and she's got a, you know, tour. Well, she's, it's postponed a little bit, but she's got a tour coming up. Right. And so, and she's a mom. And so the last thing I want to do is add anything right. on her plate. Right. But anytime I have reached out to her or Brandon, they've, you know, they've responded back pretty quick and they've, they've tried to help me here and there. And so it's, it's, it's really special, but, but yeah, I mean, you don't get as much exposure and as much contact with your coach as what you would, what you would hope for. Um, but, but, one, but when you say that, I mean, obviously they work with you, absolutely. But at the same time, there are coaches that are that are there on the show, music coaches that are working with you every day that you're there, mm -hmm. helping you choose the right song, helping you expand your vocals, helping you even though you play the guitar by ear. I'm assuming they're giving you tips on man if you just do this if you do that absolutely that you know it just and and it's kind of forcing you out outside of your comfort zone i'm, I'm assuming even in your range like your voice oh, range. absolutely so uh, yeah that's that, i think that's one of the big things that you know a lot of people who've been to my shows here for the past few years you know they all say man you've gotten so much you know better at singing you know your your range has opened up and that that's one really cool thing about the voices you know, I tell everybody, like, I would do it again just for what you learn when you're there, you know, because you do get work to work with your coach, but your vocal coach, your, you know, your choreographer, like your band, I mean, everything, like, they all take time to sit here and go, okay, yeah, let's get this song sounding good, but we also want to teach you things that you can carry on later on in life that'll help you and that'll help, you know, your performance and stuff like that. And so I learned so much. And I, I mean, it really helped my confidence too, because I've always kind of struggled with that. Like I was saying, you know, mm -hmm. I was, I've been kind of shy. And so to, to hear people in the industry kind of give you pointers and say, Hey, you know, you can do this, you know, it really does help. And so I learned a ton and, you know, I learned a ton from Kelly. I learned a, our, our vocal coach was the same across the board. Her name was Trelawney. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and just some incredible people to work with. Wow. So what was your favorite part about competing on the entire show oh man there's i mean i think if you if you pinpoint it to one certain time you know there's a couple where i got to share the stage with kelly we got to do a duet mm -hmm. um i got to share the stage with little big town which is really special oh, yeah. i got to perform a song that i had written on the show um but i think overall just the family that you that you develop there the friendships and everything else because you're stuck in a hotel i mean you're sequestered in this hotel for you know, up to a month, month and a half in there for the lives. I mean, okay. it was over so, two months. So when you say you're sequestered, yes, sir. I, I'm assuming that they basically they pick you up at the hotel to to the studio. Yes, sir. Then they shuttle you back to the hotel. Are you uh, only allowed to eat in the restaurants inside the hotel? I'm assuming they're trying to keep you away from any media, absolutely anyone that's basically trying to uh, get some. Uh, backstage um 
knowledge, knowledge and insight. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, at first it was like that. And then, of course, as you go on and the group gets smaller and smaller, they give you a little bit more freedom. But, I mean, even then we only had a, cert, you know, a certain couple places that we could go to, and then we'd have to sign out and then sign back in every time we came back. But, yeah, I mean, they just – and they do it for your protection and stuff like that because they don't want people hounding you and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, while, while you're sitting there, you know, I've got so many videos of just – different jam sessions that we would have, you know, and, and, and to see everybody's different styles and personalities come out in their music, you know, when you're just sitting around having a good time in the hotel, like it was, it was really special. And so did, did some of you just like maybe even get together in each other's room and, and oh, all sing the together and just kind of, yes, just, sir. Okay. All the time. And, it, and you know, and like you said, everybody's out there for the same goal and it's, it, it, it is a singing competition, but none of us looked at it like it was a singing competition. We all looked at it like, hey, we're all musicians. We're all trying out to to better ourselves in some form, mm-hmm. um, in some way. And we all just became so close. And, I mean, it was just a great experience. And I'm assuming some of those you're still in contact with today. Every day. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's, you know, and everybody will check in. I know, I know when the tornado hit, I don't, I can't count how many people from the show, not only contestants, but producers and um, you know, the cast, you know, behind, behind the scenes, you mm-hmm. know, people just reaching out going, Hey, are you okay? Yeah. Hey, you know, is everybody doing okay? We're praying for you. Right. Um, and that's special to think right. that, you know, you're just part of something in the grand scheme of life. It's just a short amount of time, but the fact that there's such an impact and, you know, it's long lasting relationships and friendships. Um, and the fact that they took time to reach out and say, Hey, we're praying for that area and stuff is really special. Cool. So let, let's basically bring it up to the final night. And it's live television. Yes, sir. So, and just right before I get to this this question, so you're making it to the final rounds. I mean, are you flying back and forth like every week, or are you just out there? You're for out the, there. Okay, so yes, you're sir. there. So you're not actually flying back and forth. Mm-hmm. You're there. You're there. Okay, okay. And so do they – so obviously in the final rounds that are live television so so we know that 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 you're there for those but are some of the episodes that are pre-recorded i'm assuming you're uh, those are the times that you've come back home and you're back and forth, or do they record those episodes like in sequence? In other words, do they record like on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, like three episodes all together? Or those? Two? And you're talking about the the battles and knockouts? Yes. Or? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they well, they had uh, I think for for blinds they had two day, two or three days that they did it in a row. Um, for battles and knockouts, I think they split it up over two or three days a piece that they were, they were filming all that. Gotcha. Um, and then of course lives it's, it's every Monday and Tuesday you go in there live and just, and then do it. But yeah, it was, it was an interesting, something that's always, you know, of course, you know, when you watching it on television and they're taking the commercial breaks and you know, you've got those two or three minute breaks in there, especially during live television. I mean, it's a hustle for Absolutely. you, for, for, uh, you to get on stage or get off stage for the band to get reset and and be ready to go from from uh, one contestant to the other and obviously Absolutely. the coaches to you know if they have to take a break and then come right back I mean so you're under a time crunch and mm-hmm. they want you right back on that stage because it's live television there's you can't stop it you've got to go absolutely and that, and that and we do we would do dress rehearsals earlier that day so every Monday and Tuesday we were at the studios running through the entire show and getting all those hiccups out 
And I mean, that's one really cool thing about that show is like you were saying, the band has to reset. The stage has to be completely changed up. I mean, every different stage is so vastly different. So, so is there multiple stages there? Just one. There's just, okay. That's just, just one just stage. Sure that, yeah. Okay. There's just one stage, but they, the guys who, who do all that are incredible and they move so quick. And so that we would do our dress rehearsal and then just kind of stay there and then do the, the live show that night. Um, now, given we wouldn't know any of the results, like everybody's like, oh, you knew that. And I'm like, no, we didn't literally had no idea anything that was going on as far as results. But, you know, you get your timing down, you get your, you know, your feel for when you're going to go and your order of when you're singing and stuff. Um, but just a really different experience that was that you learn a lot from. So you're competing on the show. Obviously, when you do the pre-recorded sessions, and then you go, you've gone back and I'm sure watched several of those episodes, if not all of those episodes. I actually haven't. Oh, I, really? I watched, I watched each one one time okay. just to see, you know, just to critique myself, but I haven't gone back and watched any of them. Yes, sir. But I guess my question is on the pre recorded shows. And then whenever you go back and you, you've watched those one time at least, the order that you were actually singing on the show. And then once the show, is edited and aired the pre-recorded shows uh, your performance was it at a different time than you actually performed on uh, on the pre-recorded show I believe, yeah I, b- I believe so i think i think the blinds it was pretty close when i when i actually performed um but yeah i think i mean yeah they change all that up just so it'll flow easier and you know you've got you know we sang in ballad rounds we, uh, steve and i sang you were always on my mind and i think somebody after us sang another ballad and so they'll mix it up to put like right. a ballad and then something quick and then you know um but yeah it was interesting to see and i mean when you're there and going through it like Obviously, you know everybody's order, but there's so many different moving parts. You really don't remember who went when or when right. you even went. You right. just remember going out there and singing. But um, yeah, they definitely had to change some things up in production to make it, you know, flow a little better. Final night. I mentioned this a few minutes ago, and then got sidetracked because you know <laughs> I I just get so excited because I want to hear exactly how all of the absolutely the logistics worked on stage, and because you know you're watching the show and you're trying to. You know, uh, I'm just always looking for those little intricacies in, sure. in the background. But final night, you're 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 performing. Uh, obviously, um, you're. Um, uh, I'm sure the adrenaline's flowing. How do you control your nerves? Do they coach you on controlling your nerves and 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 the adrenaline that's flowing and and how to overcome the fact that you're on live national television? And you could be the winner of The Voice. Yeah, uh, that's that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I was I was incredibly nervous almost every time I walked out on that stage. Um, and I think when I sang Desperado, which was the the semifinals or whatever, um, that was the first time I wasn't nervous at all. And I think I had just gotten in a in a space in my head to where I was just like, you know. God's been good to me to this point. I mean, I can't, I can't complain. I've gone way further than I ever thought. And so I'm just going to go out here and enjoy it and mm-hmm. not worry about all the little technical things that I've been worrying about. And they, they coach you to an extent, you know, obviously how much can you actually coach nerves, but, uh, they coach you to an extent. And I think we had already, we had been on that stage so many times and been through the, the ringer so many times that at that point, you know, it just became second nature. And so, you know, going out there and singing the songs that we did, 
you're nervous and stuff and obviously standing there to find out the results, you're terrified. But right. you know, we were all we're all so we were all so close, the final four of us, you know, me, Katie, Ricky and Rose, that we were all rooting for each other to win right. the thing. You know, we right. just we just enjoyed being up there and, you know, it was an honor just to be on that stage, much less to be in the final four. So we all had a great time doing it. So I'm assuming once it's announced that you're the winner, is it is it kind of one of those surreal moments that you're just standing there and you're thinking, is this really happening to me? I mean, how did you, when you were announced that you were the winner, I mean, just, you know, as you know, I've, I've run in political races and, and of course, you know, I'm able to watch the results all through the evening as they come in. And, but yet the first time that I won the state Senate race, I, I mean, that for the next like two days, I'm like, did I really win? Did I really win this? And and it was just kind of a surreal moment for me. So so tell me your thoughts, your what you were feeling at that point in time, and how long after? How long did you stay in L.A. after you won? Or did they basically say, okay, you're going back? Yeah, home you're now. done. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I think I still wake up and ask if I actually won the show, just because there's been so many things that have happened and so many different really cool things I've been able to be a part of since then. Um, but when you're standing there and they called my name out, I didn't believe it at first and I almost passed out, I think, cause the wind got knocked out of me. Um, but just a very surreal thing. And it's so quick moving afterwards, you know, the confetti came down and Kelly came up and, you know, family came up and we took pictures and everything. And then we rushed out and went to press conferences. And so it was, it was, it was really special. But then I ended up staying there probably a week afterwards because there was a bunch of different interviews and TV interviews, radio interviews, and all these other different things that we had to go do. And normally they, they fly people to New York to do that, but luckily everything was in LA. And so we were able to just stay out there and, Mm -hmm. and get everything done. Um, And then I was back, you know, a couple days before Christmas. Okay. So the, the finale was on December the 17th, 17th. So you were ultimately there uh, a week after yes, winning sir. because you were basically having to do um, all of the interviews, the the morning shows, the uh, all the various. And then, of yes, course, uh, those shows that you probably did a performance on most of them. And, yes, sir. Okay. Wow. So... Uh, how things? How have things changed <laughs> uh, back here in Cookville, Tennessee, oh, in the Upper Cumberland since winning? I, I don't know that there's hardly anything that's the same. I feel like you know um, everything's been kind of twisted up a little bit, you know, in a, in a good way. Like everything's just kind of been fast tracked and fast paced. Um, Let me ask this question: Did you always want to be someone? that was going to be a a music star someone that was in other words there there are people that that end up becoming uh country music stars uh pop stars that that love music but they have such a gift and a talent that they just they just love playing and singing and ultimately you know fate deals them a hand that they're a superstar but yet so. they just love singing and and playing did you in your mind ever uh think that you would be where you are today or were you comfortable in being 
someone that loved to sing and play? Um, yeah, I, I don't think I ever envisioned making it to this point. I do know that I've always loved to play and sing, and I and my dream was always to just make make people feel things when you play music, whether it's bringing back good memories, um, whether it's, you know, them remembering something from when they were in high school or at their prom and they heard that song, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, that was always the thing that I loved about music is cause music is timeless, mm-hmm. but to be where I'm at now and to have, you know, people almost everywhere I go recognize me and, 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 and want to want to get a picture and want to get an autograph to me, it's incredibly humbling. Cause it's just mm-hmm. like, I never thought in a million years. And the fact that God has put me here, mm-hmm. it's also terrifying. Cause you know, you've got all the eyes on you now and um, you've got a lot of people that look up to you and you don't ever want to let anybody down and you want to be the best example that, you know, God wants you to be, but I'm very grateful for it. And I mean, like I said, since, since the show, I've had so many really, really cool experiences and so many cool people that I've gotten to meet. And one of the cool things that I've realized is how many Christians there are in the industry that, you know, are, are out there, you mm-hmm. know, doing doing what they're supposed to do and to, to be able to meet with them and kind of develop relationships and stuff and, and make really good music is, is really special. But never would have thought in a million years, but I'm incredibly grateful that I am here and I'm just enjoying every second of it. Now, you mentioned Zimmer Broadcasting earlier. Yes, sir. Now, I'm assuming that uh, you're still working with Zimmer or, or has your career taken on yeah. so much? Yeah. Um, so. And, and, and so... Uh, Record deal, record label deal. So let, let Zimmer to record label deal. So and then Absolutely. tell me about this song that you and Jimmy Fortune oh, have yeah. written and and what and where we're going with that. Yes, sir. So when you when you sign on with the show, they sign you to a record deal with the sh- with the voice. And okay, so you just opened another door for me to ask a question because yes, I'm let's go. You, so, and that question is: is I'm assuming you get a record deal if you win The Voice, like you just mentioned. Yes. They sign you for a record deal, and then I'm assuming that you're committed. They get a royalty off of your record deal for how long? Um, it, it depends. I mean, it could be a year, it could be a couple years. Um, but I was, I was very fortunate to be able to get out of all the, the deals that they had. Um, uh, and it, 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 you know, it just came down to working with really good people and having a good team around me. Um, and that's ultimately what I wanted to do just because I wanted to be able to have freedom. You know, when I first got off the show to kind of put out what I wanted to do and, and work in the, in the circles that I wanted. That's not to say that I don't want a record deal. I mean, I absolutely want one. But working independently for a little while is going to be nice, so I can just kind of get all my ducks in a row. But yeah, it's just you know it's it's been incredible, and I've and I'm working towards getting those record deals. And as far as with the radio station, they were incredibly patient with me throughout the whole process. And it had unfortunately my it, it's it's come to that point where I've had, I'm, I'm going to have to step away. And as bad as I hate to do that, you know, I always tell people, you know, it goes back to what God said about being a good steward of of what He gives us and you know, I, I I felt like I couldn't be in both places at one time. Right. And if I was going to do this music thing, then I had to, you know, go all in. And so that's a pretty recent development as far as me me kind of stepping away. Um, but well, you, you know, the ladies here at, uh, at the trucking company are going to be very disappointed. I, I, I told gonna... them, yeah, I told them a little bit earlier and they were just like, what? And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it doesn't mean I'm not going to be around. Right, you know, I'm, right. I'm still going to be around. And um, with the radio station, we've talked about some different ideas of where I can come back and kind of do some things here and there. Right. But, you know, it's a blessing to to have two things going really, really well, and then you have to pick between 
you know, pick, pick between the two, you know? And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm praying and I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that we just, we make the best run of this that we can. And then as far as the song you're talking about, you know, that tornado hit and it, and it devastated a lot of, a lot of things for a lot of yeah. people. And, you know, being, being part of the community that, that came together to kind of push me through the, the whole show, I, I kind of, I, I, I've been trying to find ways that I could give back and, and do things and, you know, and try to help these people out. And so, I was on my way to a missions trip in Nicaragua and I was sitting on the plane and I thought, you know, I, I got on. Now you say you're on a mission trip to Nicaragua yes, and sir. this was. Uh, two weeks ago, maybe a week okay. and a half ago. Okay. So basically right after the, the day tour, after. So it hit Tuesday okay. and Wednesday yeah. I, I left for Nicaragua. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And I had got on Instagram and I saw all these different posts about. Putnam Strong, Cookville Strong, right. Nashville Strong, Lebanon Strong, Mount Juliet Strong. Right. And I thought, you know, that that's special. I said, but why don't we, do, I mean, why aren't we all just a unified front? And so I literally in 20 minutes uh, wrote a song called Tennessee Strong. And I had sent it to Jimmy Fortune, um, who was with the Statler Brothers, who's just an incredible writer, Absolutely. singer. I mean, just, yeah. and, and even better than that, he's an incredible Christian guy. And so I sent it to him and I said, hey, can you write the melody for me? Because I didn't have a guitar with me or anything. Um, and so when I got back, he had he had written some stuff, but I went and met with him and he said, he said, I could tell by the lyrics that you poured your heart into this song. And he goes, and I couldn't bring myself to writing a melody without you being here. Uh, and so we wrote it and we're pretty happy what we're going to get it recorded this week. And then all the proceeds from the sales or anything that has to do with this song. Um, we're, we're donating it to that, that relief fund, that tornado relief wow. fund. Wow. Um, we had somebody come out and shoot like a video of some of the, the, you know, the debris and the wreckage and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to be using some different things, um, other footage and whatnot to kind of put together a video for it. But it's just a little way to try to bring some kind of peace to, you know, to these people that are, that are hurting right now. Right. Um, and that, and if, if that's all it does, if the song, all it does is one person that was affected, if it, it just kind of helps them cope with it. Cause I know a lot of people are struggling mentally right now with, right. with what's going on right. and nightmares and the people I've talked to, you know, they're still having nightmares. And so, you know, if this song can at least just touch somebody, then it's right. done way more than I could ever hope. So that'll be released before too long, hopefully in the next week or so. And we'll get Great. that out and, you know, see what, we'll see where it goes from there. Well, that's awesome. And, and of course what we saw immediately following uh, the tornado and how Tennessee turned out to help the Cookville, Putnam County area. Absolutely. It was unbelievable. Those are the same people that helped you on The Voice. Absolutely. And it just goes to show what a great community that we have and that we live in. So Absolutely. you and I share some good friends, uh, uh, Daly and Vincent, and especially with Jamie Daly. And uh, I had the opportunity to be at the Opry the night that uh, Jamie Daly had invited you to, yes, sir. to come and sing at the Grand Ole Opry. W what a great experience. And, oh, my goodness. And I was so happy to be able to share that with you that night and, yes, and uh, my family. So I think that was a, an awesome experience. And, and again, oh, yeah, I just, I'm, and I'm incredibly grateful that I got to do that and the fact that y'all came out and, yeah. Um, you know, and Jamie, he and Darren kind of made that happen. Right. And, you know, the fact that he didn't even know me from the next guy and the fact that he went all out to kind of help me and kind of get me, you know, lined up was really special. So I'm very grateful for that. Two of the greatest guys, uh, Jamie Daly and, and, and Darren Vincent, and just uh, so very, so much like yourself, just very humble um, gentlemen that uh, have 
made it in the bluegrass world, and and obviously they appreciate and always are trying to promote uh, the Upper Cumberland, and so we're so happy. And then, of course, uh, I had you uh, come down to the Tennessee State Senate. Yes, sir. And it was um, many of our members, many of our Senate members, talked about how you were a blessing to them that Aww. day in in singing uh, Amazing Grace on the on the the floor of the Senate and and of course her national anthem and they so uh, appreciated that oh, and so I appreciate that, you having me down so, that was really special yeah so we were very happy to uh, have you that day and thank you for uh, for doing that uh, just a couple of more questions and and I promise we'll close oh, you're that fine, this man. is just this I'm having a blast this has just been great so so who would you who would who is your biggest musical inspiration Oh, um, I would say probably I have to go with the Eagles. Oh, um, yeah. I love okay. that style of music. I love their harmonies. I love their inch. I mean, they just had, they were the complete package. And they've been a little timeless, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know how many different places I've played to college students, and everybody's requesting Eagles tunes, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I just love the writing. I mean, everything about that band was just, to me, it was it was incredible. And so, yeah, I think they're probably my biggest musical influence. Wow, that's that's awesome. A lot of um, a lot of artists uh, always point and go to the Eagles, and obviously, as someone that uh, uh, is working their way, uh, working their way up, sing a lot of the Eagles uh, songs. So I think that's uh, that's just awesome. Well, before we close out, uh, obviously, you told us about your song that you and Jimmy Fortune uh, have written, and and basically allowing all those proceeds from that song to go to the uh, relief fund here yes, in sir. Putnam County and Cookville. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with, uh, with our audience before we close out? Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously from, from the voice standpoint and from, you know, kind of where my music has taken me, I just want to say thank you to everybody who is, who, you know, showed up big, you know, and showed so much love and, uh, and spread the word. But more than that, um, you know, coming back to the tornado and stuff like it's, you know, I just want to let everybody know that, you know, it, it's incredible to see the help and the way everybody came together for that. And just know that, that I love you and I'm praying for you. And, you know, obviously if there's anything I can do, just let me know, but, you know, just incredibly grateful to be part of Tennessee, you know, and so, um, and thank you so much for having me on the show and for everything you've done. And, oh, well, um, hey, looking forward to the future. Hey, I, I appreciate you taking out, some time to be with us today because I know you're very, very busy. And so I really appreciate that. And, and, um, congratulations again on being the winner of the voice, uh, of the 17th season of the voice. And, and I just think that, uh, uh, Tennessee and the upper Cumberland is so proud of you for doing that. This is state Senator Paul Bailey. You're listening to Backroads and backstories. Thank you for listening to the Backroads and Backstories podcast with Senator Paul Bailey. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at backroadsandbackstories.com and subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Backroads and Backstories podcast.